I want to talk to you this morning about God's grace. God's grace. You know, sometimes we get we get confused about. I, I'll be honest with you. I lived a lot of my Christian life not really understanding God's grace, because I'm more of a. Um, I was the the wild child. I did all the stuff I shouldn't do. So I kind of needed God to be a little bit more like stepping on my toes. And you know, I'm kind of a spiritual slow learner. That's what I say. So. Uh, sometimes they had to smack me upside the head with the two-by-four to get me to learn. So that, that was me. So because of that, when I came to Christ, I kind of fell into a little bit of legalism. Are you with me, church? Sometimes your past can put you into a, a, a trajectory in your future that God doesn't want for you, or you might be missing something God has because of your past. So I kind of, when I first came to God, I kind of needed the big cop in the sky, if you know what I'm talking about. What was it Owen used to joke about in the Pentecostal church? He had some song that was like, my God's got a great big hammer. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Ba-ba-bam, bam, bam, bam. I think that was probably a children's song. That's terrible. It's terrible. But anyway, um, yeah, I didn't grow up with that. I grew up with grace, 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 and so I did sin, 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 and then, you know, I needed God to straighten me out. But here's the thing. That's all true. That's all good. There is, but here's the thing with walking with God. Walking with God is a narrow path. Amen? The Bible says narrow is the way and few find it. So this idea that's being promoted right now by a lot of, I've seen a lot of people fall away. A lot of teachers I used to really look to, to like Rob Bell is one I'll come out and say his name. He used to be somebody I really looked to. A lot of great stuff for my youth and Everything. He's gone off the deep end and said basically everybody's going to heaven. Let me tell you something. Everybody ain't going to heaven. So before I get to grace, let me just preface. Everything I'm about to say is not a license to go sin. Amen? Paul is very clear in Romans, right? What shall we say then, brothers? Shall we sin more that grace may abound? Forbid that. You know, I forbid. No, heaven forbid. I don't let that happen. That's not the, that's not, so none of this is that. But here's the thing. So I'm speaking to you this morning as believers. Are you with me? If you're here, you're not a believer, I'm glad you're here. But I'm, I'm kind of speaking to the believers this morning because here's the thing. Once you've been in God a little while, if you're not careful, you slide over to the legalism side, and that's the thing, that narrow path. One side's legalism, the other side's lasciviousness or sin, living, living however you want. So it's not all this in Jesus too, amen? It's not all my, all my sin and all my stuff I did before. Just keep on doing that's okay, but I added Jesus in. No, 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 no. No, when Jesus comes in, he changes everything, amen? amen. And, and here's the thing, though. It's not my works. It's not my striving to live a clean life that makes me walk in his grace, amen? His grace makes me walk in the clean life. It's the other way around. So I want to talk to you this morning about his grace because, listen, friend, his grace is enough. And that's my title this morning. His grace is enough. So if you want to look with me at, at Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. Let's, can we put that up there? Because I didn't even grab my Bible this morning. I'm so busy doing worship stuff. In those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, and immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. Now, the important thing to remember here is this happened before Jesus did anything. 
He never did one miracle. Okay, he taught in the temple. They knew he was the son of God anyway, right? His mom and his stepdad, let's be real, because God's his daddy. Amen? Are you with me? You guys awake this morning? Okay, okay. Make sure I'm in church alive, not church sort of alive. Okay. So, so anyway, God, God, God was already uh, amening Jesus before he did anything. And that's something somebody needs to hear this morning. God approves of you already if you've come to him as a believer. Amen? If you've come to him, you've repented of sin, you've turned your life over to Jesus, and you got saved, can I tell you something? That is saved, it's done, it's written in blood, it's not going to be undone. You, nothing you did brought you to Jesus, and nothing you do can take you away from Jesus unless you choose to throw away your salvation. Amen? It takes a lot of hard work to get unsaved after you've been saved. Can I just say it like that? It takes a lot of, there is no, no amount of stumbling, of making mistakes, of those kinds of things that will separate you from the love of God, right? But what we need to do when we find ourselves away from God, when we find ourselves sinning, it's real simple. We just need to go back to God, confess our sin, understand his grace, that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. He's going to pour that grace out on us again, fresh and new, and we're walking in, in him again, amen? Otherwise, and I'm jumping way ahead of my notes, but otherwise, here's what happens. You will find yourself like I did in this awful cycle of motivation, condemnation, rededication. Are you with me? You'll be motivated to do good things for God, and then you'll mess up, and you won't do something, or you won't do good enough, or you get down on yourself, and then you're in condemnation, right? And then you... You, you, you say, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I, 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 I want to get right. I want to get back on the path. And I'm not saying it's not right to confess sin. Hear me clearly, okay? Are you with me? But when you get into that cycle of motivation, condemnation, rededication, that is a terrible cycle to live in as a believer. That is not what God has for you. He wants you to live in his grace and to understand that his grace is sufficient for everything that you face in life. Amen? I got way ahead of myself. So this morning, uh, if you look at your notes there, that first little dot she's got there uh, is encounter God, right? So first of all, if you want God's grace to be enough, if you want it to work in your life the way he wants it to work in your life, you got to encounter him. And this is kind of what that... that uh, was about those, those verses that we had up there were about. God wants to know you, so this is number one there. God wants to know you before you serve them. You serve him. You should have said him, not them. God wants to know you before you serve him, so you can correct that. And that's what I'm talking about with Jesus. Did God already know Jesus? He's his dad, right? He already knew him. But he's approving of him there at the, and isn't it interesting we had baptisms this morning, just saying. Do you guys ever see that stuff? Like I see, I mean, I've I'm, I'm got all these songs and I'm, I'm realizing as I was putting the songs together, I'm like, well, this one's talking about, you know, this speak to the mountains, it's got to move. And then Healer talks about trusting in God because nothing's impossible. And then I had trust in God next, but we didn't get there. I'm just saying, sometimes God has a plan for what we're doing in, on a Sunday morning. Amen? I think he always does, but I mean... Sometimes it's more evident to me, I guess. So, so anyway, let me talk to you just a little bit about this. God wants to know you 
before you serve him. God told everybody in, this, in those verses we read, including his son, he loved him and was well pleased with him. And these were important words to hear, but equally important, like I said, was is when the father said them. This was before the water turned to wine, before blind eyes were healed, before lepers were cleansed, before Jesus ruined any funerals by raising the dead, right? <laughs> right? Okay, it's before all this, right? Why? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So delighting in someone is impossible if you don't have a relationship with them. Amen? So I just, those are some of my, my, my little side notes. I'm going to be back and forth this morning. This will be interesting. I got all kinds of little arrows and uh, circles and like, oh, 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 man, I have so much I want to say. But God will help me say what I need to say. Amen? So, so let me go back to my notes for just a minute. So number two there, if you look at that, is expect his grace. You need to live expectantly knowing his grace is available to you. Listen, he has poured out his grace, and it has so, there's no measure to his grace. Listen, can I tell you something? Can I set somebody free this morning? My Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It does not say you've fallen short of the grace of God. Are you with me? There's a difference between the grace and the glory. I would challenge you, if you're living in the grace and you're just living in the grace, he wants to call you up a little higher. Amen? Okay, come on, somebody. Poke your neighbor and say, you've been a Christian a long time. He's calling you up to glory, okay? Right? But, but it says you've fallen short of the glory of God, not the grace of God. You cannot fall short of the grace of God. His grace is so big. It's so amazing. There's nothing. There's no one here this morning that's committed some sin God can't forgive. Are you with me? I mean, this was the amazing thing. I know I shared with you guys a few weeks back that there's been some some, some healings such as can be to my past. And, 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 and when the guy that was the bad guy in that situation is before me saying, God can't forgive me, God can't forgive me. And I'm, God's having me tell this guy, the guy who wronged me, <laughs> right? There's no, God can forgive you. There's, that's not unforgivable. Are you with me, church? We need to understand there is no sin that you could commit that God can't forgive. None. When the Bible talks about the unpardonable sin, listen, you, people get off on all kinds of things, but if you read that clearly, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious you, if you just pay attention to what Jesus said. What's going on in that situation is people are calling the things of God the things of Satan, and that's dangerous area to get into. Don't do that. That is what can lead you to the unpardonable sin is you go and start say it. So you be careful what you say about other people. Amen. Okay, I may not believe with all my Catholic brethren on some of the praying to Mary and all the other stuff, kneeling and bowing and whatever else. Okay, but I bet there's going to be some Catholics in heaven. Are you with me? Yeah, there will. Yeah, be some Baptists in heaven. Be some Pentecostals in heaven, right? Be some Charismatics, hallelujah. I'm going to get into heaven, believe it or not, right? I remember I heard it said once, you know, when you get to heaven, the thing will be, There'll be people that aren't there you wish were there, you expected to be there. There'll be people there you're surprised are there. And then there'll be a lot of people there surprised that you're there. So, yeah. So, and that's really true of me. It was very true at my, uh, my 25-year class reunion when they said the, the, the invocation will be given by Pastor Adam Light. And everybody went, what? That drug addict? Yeah, that's, that's me. Hallelujah. So, anyway. So, number two there. The first thing God sees in us 
is the grace he has deposited in us. Do you understand? God is looking. You've heard people say looking through rose-colored glasses. God is looking through blood-stained glasses. All he sees is the blood of Jesus. Are you with me? When he looks at you, he does not see your past. He doesn't see all the struggles you've had, all the mistakes you've made. He sees what you're doing now. Amen? He sees what Jesus did on the cross. That's the first thing he sees. So he sees the grace that he's deposited in us. Man, if you can get this, I, I believe there's somebody here this morning. This might set you free from like uh, uh, trying to live up to something that you can never live up to. Are you with me? Listen, without his grace, that when Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill the law. Are you with me? So it me what that means to me is, yes, I still keep the Ten Commandments. Hello, somebody. It did not mean just you can go out now and do whatever you want, right? It's not what it means. But what it means is I can't keep that on my own. I'm not going to ever be able to keep that on my own. But his grace makes up the difference, amen? His grace fulfills for me in the law what I could never do myself, amen? The law just points out all the stuff that you need to do. So, yes, we, we, we do our best to keep it, but here's the thing. Don't try to keep it by what you do. Keep it by loving him. Keep it by loving him. Listen, the more you begin to understand his grace, the easier it becomes to live the Christian life. Can I, I tell you from experience, okay, you could try to dot all the I's and cross all the T's and live your life all perfect, and sooner or later, the enemy's going to trip you up. And then you get into that terrible cycle I'm talking about, and then you feel condemned, and you'll feel all messed up. But if you could just understand his grace is sufficient. He's already paid the full price for your salvation. There's nothing you can do to help it be better. See, that's the first lie Satan told in the garden. Are you with me? The first lie he ever told humanity was there's something you can do to be more godly. Think about that for just a minute. Isn't that what he did? Oh, if you eat of this fruit, you'll be like God. That's what he did. He's telling you you can be more godly by something you do. There's nothing you can do to make you more godly. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do your best to live for the Lord. Of course. Of course you engage your will. If there's one thing that's not, it doesn't sound very spiritual, but that I did right when I came back to Christ in 1985, I made up my mind I was finished with all that stuff. Are you with me? That was just assent on my part to what God was saying in his word, okay? So, but his grace is what keeps me. His grace is what covers me when I make mistakes. Hello, I make mistakes. If you don't know me very well, uh, if you know me very well, you know I make mistakes. Uh, if you don't know me very well, well, get to know me. You'll find out I make all kinds of mistakes. We all do, amen? amen. There's nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. We're all going to make mistakes, but here's the beautiful thing about that Mark 11, 1, 1, 11 is this, we are beautiful to the Father, not because of our works, but because of Christ and who we are in him. Moreover, even before Christ, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God killed his son for love of us while we were still sinners. Are you with me? Is anybody, do you realize the Jews didn't put Jesus to death. God put Jesus to death. He allowed that to happen. Are you with me? Anybody ever been through some junk and you're like, really, God, you're going to allow this? And he's like, yep, I got a plan. I mean it for your good. I know it's painful, Joseph. 
Like, like Pastor Owen said a few weeks ago, right? I know it's not easy being in the pit. I know it's not easy uh, being sold into slavery. I know it's not easy being in prison and being falsely accused. Amen? But God had a plan. Amen? And God's got a plan in your life. And his grace is what keeps you from, from falling off the wayside, right? So the first thing he sees is his, the grace that he's deposited already in us. Um, put up there Romans 8.15. Can you do that? For you, have, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Can I tell you, God wants to be your dad. Abba, Father is a, a really intimate term for dad. It's like us, we say daddy, right? When you're a little kid, you say, I know, a few, I know somebody, is Paula Bennett here this morning? She still says daddy. She loves her daddy. And I think that's awesome. A lot of people, we grow up and we stop saying that, amen? But, what, but why? Are we less connected with our father? Are we, we might be, but that's not what God wants for us, amen? He's your daddy. Who's your daddy? God's your daddy, amen? So, so if you're struggling this morning and you're struggling with who's going to provide for you and who's going to do this and who's going to, remember, he's your dad, Amen? He's the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hill. He's the one that's going to provide for you when you don't know how you're going to pay the bills. Amen? Amen. That kind of rhymed, hills and bills. Anyway, sorry. The singer in me finds that stuff funny. (laughs) So let me just keep going. Let me just keep going. I'm going to read to you something else here. Um, Let me see. I'm just going to put that there. I don't have a big enough pulpit this morning. So Romans 8, 15, what we just read, this is what that tells me. We no longer need to fear punishment. We no longer need to fear punishment. Did you, you saw what it said. Put, you still got it up there? Look at that. You've received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. No father punishes their kids with the, with the desire to just punish and leave it at that, Right? The only time punishment ever came in my life, now I, I had the opposite experience, Pastor Owen, okay? He struggled. His dad drank when he was little, and that therefore it led to bad behavior. Now, I knew Owen after all that, so I don't know all that stuff. Don't, don't, that, that doesn't, but for me, my dad was the kind of dad, he was always the dad that I, everybody ought to have, honestly. I mean, my dad would, he was, he was a warrior. I seen him do some stuff before that was like, ooh, I know dad's got my back. I don't have to worry about that. Uh, but also, you know, dad would come in and be silly and, you know, get his guitar out and sing Frog Went to Courtin' before you went to bed. You know what I mean? He's, he was a great dad. I had a great dad. And if my dad punished me, I always knew in the back of my mind there was a purpose in the punishment. Are you with me? There was a reason why he was doing that, and it was to bring me to good. Like, I'm in a band with Eric and, and another guy named Josh, and we, our band is called Wrath or Mercy, because here's the thing, in God's wrath, it's always, his wrath is being poured out to bring you to his mercy. Are you with me? So if you've been through some stuff this morning, if you're here and you feel like, man, God's just always, ah, he feels like he's on me, can I just tell you, submit to that, submit to that, let the grace wash all that stuff away, all right, then walk in the grace, but you you got to understand that was his purpose for the wrath. Are you with me? I know I'm kind of all over the place. Stay with me, church. All right. 
So anyway, we no longer need to fear punishment. Indeed, we must reject fear, for we have been adopted, adopted into a family with a very loving daddy. That's where I was going with that. All right, uh, 2 Samuel uh, 9, 1 through 7 is a picture of God's heart. And, and in this, a matter of fact, is that up there? Is that in your notes? I think it did get in there. Yeah. So I'm just going to read from here. It's easier for me. Then David said, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul so that I can show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they summoned him to David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. Then the king said, is there no one remaining of the house of Saul to whom I could show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is disabled in both feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel uh, in Lodabar. That doesn't sound like a good place to be, does it? Lodabar. That sounds bad. Just saying it. Then King David sent messengers who brought him from the house uh, of that guy, uh, the son of Amiel of, uh, from Lodabar, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, and came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, Here is your servant. Then David said to him, Do not be afraid, for I will assuredly show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you yourself shall eat at my table regularly. Now the story behind all that, the short version is, right, Jonathan and David were best friends. Jonathan has died at this point. David has been king for a little bit, and he realizes, hey, I wonder if there's anybody left from that lineage that I could show some kindness to that, that God would want me to do that. And uh, he finds Mephibosheth, who is a grandson of Saul, right? He's the son of, of Jonathan. So, uh, so for those of you that have ever heard Jonathan and David, that seems a little weird. It might have been uh, the people tried to make that like there was more than just a friendship. Are you with me, somebody? You ever hear this garbage? He had a son, so that's baloney. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a whole lot of other reasons why that's not true, okay? But David and Jonathan were best friends. Anybody else ever have a best friend in here? Like, they're, they're like your best friend. They're like a brother to you. It's more than just a buddy, Right? It's like my best friend and I growing up, we could, we could finish each other's sentences. Now, my, my, my really, my truly best friend my whole life is my brother. We could be in, in, a, in a, a big party, you know, lots and lots and lots of people. He'd be across the room, and I'd be like, look at him and go, and, he, and we know it's time to go. You know, we both know we could, we could talk without talking. Are you with me? Anybody else ever been able to do that? Uh, not reading each other's minds of that garbage, just saying you could know because you know that person. So in this story... What we see here is that the blood washes away uh, sin, and this is necessary for us to be with God. I'm sorry, I get ahead of myself. Let me go back. The picture of God's heart here. David represents God. Jonathan represents Jesus. And Mephibosheth is us. If you've never seen that, write that down in your Bible or write it down in your notes there. This is a picture of God's heart. This, this 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 7. David represents God. Jonathan represents Jesus, and Mephibosheth is us. And here's the deal. Why is Mephibosheth a perfect thing of us? Because you and I couldn't put our best foot forward. Are you with me? We were lame. Mephibosheth couldn't put his best foot forward because he was lame. He, both his feet were broken, right? So that's us. That's who we were. 
But the blood of Jesus washes sin away, and this is necessary for us to be with God. Only pure hearts stand before him, but his love covers our sins. Actually, it more than covers. It washes it away. And this is necessary for us on our part to be guilt-free when we stand before God. Are you with me? So his grace is more than enough to make you righteous before him when you come to him. This is why you can go to the throne of God with boldness and ask for what you need. Are you with me? If you've struggled with that, if you feel like you're always coming in, oh, like I don't like some of those old hymns. I like most of the old hymns. I'll just say out, out loud. I, I, you know, that kind of English is gone, and it's kind of a shame. They used to be able to say a lot more with a lot less words. I'd probably be done already if I knew how to speak that way. Um, and we'd all be at lunch. But, <laughs> but I can't, so you're stuck, so here we go. Uh, but anyway, um, I love a lot of the old hymns, but there's an old hymn that kind of talks, talks about such a worm as I. Have you ever heard this old? I can't remember the, which one it is, but it, and I'm thinking, no, that's not who I am anymore. That's who I was. Are you with me? Some of you don't understand that God has changed you forever in the eyes of his Father. Are you with me? Jesus, his blood has covered you and changed you forever in the eyes of the Father. He does not see you as that rank old sinner you used to be. That's not who you are. So amen to that. Can you say amen? Somebody say amen. All right. Because God is wanting you to understand that his grace allows you to have freedom in Christ. And I don't mean freedom to just go do whatever you want to do. Are you with me? Because here's the thing I found out the longer I serve the Lord. There is freedom in Christ. There's more freedom than probably I even understand or take part of. Are you with me? Because God's calling me to something that I need to be careful what I let in and what I let out. Amen? So we need to guard our hearts. We need to be careful uh, along the way. But we also need to understand that what God is showing us is for us. Are you with me? Sometimes we focus too much on what somebody else is or isn't doing, and that can really get you off the track of what God has for you. Are you with me? Because I'm not your judge and you're not mine, right? God's our judge. Amen? Amen? And his grace is covering. But, but anyway, I don't even know who that was for. That was a side note. That's a little freebie you got right there. But here's the other thing, and I'm, I'm not going to read this one because of time. But in Acts chapter 9, verse 3 through 6, you can look it up later if you want, Saul was transformed on his way to Damascus. And he says in there, in verse 5, he says, Who are you, Lord? Saul thought he was doing God's work. And then he finds out he doesn't even know him. Anybody else maybe relate to that? Like you thought you were knowing God, but you found out later you didn't know God at all. Or there was a lot more to God than you knew. Like, I found that out back in 1995 when I went to Revival down in Brownsville. I thought I knew God. I thought I knew him really well. And uh, I found out ah, there's a lot more to God than I knew. <laughs> I had to do a little, what they call carpet time. And uh, as I laid on the floor, flat out, under the Holy Spirit, God did a work in me. Amen? And he showed me there's so much more. There's so much more grace, so much more power, so much more he wants to accomplish can I just tell you, if you look at the world today, you say, man, Jesus is coming tomorrow, and he might be. It could be. So what does that mean for us? Well, that means we need to turn, up, turn the heat up a little bit more on everybody we know and love, amen, and say, hey, he might be coming. Are you ready? Right? We should be out there witnessing more than ever. We should be doing those things. But 
Find your power to do that in God's grace. You're not going to be able to keep doing it under your own power. You have to have Holy Spirit power, and it comes through his grace. See, here's what I found out a long time ago, and my, my kids who came to my youth group know this. They remember this. I used to always say, the lovers always outdo the doers. And I could think of Mary and Martha, and that's at the end of my notes, so I won't go there yet. But I'm almost there anyway, so maybe we will. <laughs> let's, let's get to number three, because I want to make sure I get that in. Number three, on, on second page there, experience his rest. The one thing needed is resting in him. Now, we have a pastor who's a type A, and he's a work, 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 worker B. And that's good. That's good. You want, if you're like that and you want to do that, you hang out with him, he'll have all kinds of things for you to do. Now, it's not that he doesn't know how to rest. He does. He's resting right now. He's doing his thing for rest. Right? He's probably in a tree somewhere. So. <laughs> but but, but that's, that's fine. That's what God, God would have you to rest. And here's my thing. I'm the other side. If you've been in my office, you know I rest too much. I need to clean my office. It's terrible. Okay. But, but I know how to do that. I know how to do this. I can get alone with God. I can spend hours. Just me and my guitar, and I don't even sing. I just play my guitar, and people go, well, how is that? Well, David played his harp and drove out devils. Come on, somebody. That's why I love me some guitar. Like I said this morning, I love when Joe plays something, man. That's awesome. Because God, God is at work uh, when we are resting in him. And it's, it's really, this is the only place you're going to really understand his grace is if you can get to where you understand this. Because like I said, the lovers outdo the doers. See, if you do and you do and you do, it becomes a bunch of doo-doo. Okay? So, but if you just work on loving God, on, on spending time with him, can I tell you, doing the right things and living the Christian life the way God wants you to becomes the natural byproduct of you just spending time with him. Amen? Amen, Harold? Am I right? I'm telling you, this is, this is the truth. It's not that complicated. We make it so hard. And we make it like, you got to do this and you got to do that. And you got to do this and you got to do that. No, you don't. No, no. Put all that stuff aside for a minute. I'm not saying those things don't have value. I'm not saying Martha's part didn't matter. People needed to eat. Right? <laughs> that was nice. But what Jesus said was that Mary found the better part. And it won't be taken from her. Are you with me? So you need to find out how to rest in God. And that's... Um, Number three, three there, did I say that? The one thing needed is resting in him. So uh, let's look at Luke 10, uh, 40, 42, 40 through 42. Can I put that up there? Actually, before I read that, I'm going to say this. Uh, when, when we think about this and we say to ourselves, Lord, what do you want me to do, right? The sequence of these two questions reflects the priority of God's heart. So when we think, of, I'm going back to Saul for a minute. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little off here. Saul said, who are you, Lord? And then later he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? The sequence of those questions matters. And you need to do it that way. Lord, who are you? Let me get to know you. And then, what do you want me to do? But in the church, we get it backwards sometimes. Are you with me? And, and can I tell you, parents of young teenagers or uh, children, teenagers, even young adults, honestly, if you still have a voice in their lives, can I tell you? Set them free from the do this, do that, do this, do that, and let them know it's important to know God. Can I tell you all the other stuff will work itself out? It will. 
It will. If I could do one thing different in my children's life, I would have taught them better how to really know God. I would, I would have taught them better how to, how to pray, how to spend time alone with God, how to hear his voice and know what he's saying to you. Amen? Those things are more important than knowing what to do because if you know his voice, he'll tell you what to do. And then, and then that's all you have to do. You don't have to do extra. Are you with me? Uh, anybody that says, uh, I, I always went back for seconds at, at lunch if I liked what they had. But I didn't ever go back for seconds when I was sign up for work day, right, okay? I'm just saying, I know how to rest. That's, that's okay. That's, that's who I am. There's nothing wrong with that. I'll go do the work. Fine. But it's a lot easier to do the work. See, here's the other thing. It's a lot easier to do the work when you're doing it out of love. See, if you, if you, if you just fall in love with Jesus, the work doesn't seem like work. And then all these folks, folks like our pastor and other A-type people, which we love you, we need you. It's all right. All of us B-type people said, praise God for you, A people. Go, go do. Go ahead. We'll rest over here and pray for you while you go do. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm teasing. We all have to go do. But, but I'm just saying. But, but, but honestly, those people who are type A, who understand and know God, they are not doing it out of duty. They're doing it out of love. And they're doing it because it brings them joy because they're doing it for their father. Are you with me? We all need each other in the church. Amen? But we, we have to, as a church, listen, this church should be a place where when people come in, they feel love and they understand, they begin to understand the grace of God. That would be my hope for them, is that they, they don't get hung up on the do's and the don'ts. Because that is a nightmare. And you, you'll never do good enough in your own flesh. You cannot. That's what his grace is for. But if you understand grace and you fall in love with Jesus, the do the doing of, of the right things becomes really simple and really easy. So we need to learn to rest in God's grace. All right, now I'll read that verse. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do the serving by myself? Therefore, tell her to help me. Have you ever heard an A-type person say that to you if you're a B-type like me? Yep. Keep going. <laughs> but the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, 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 you are worried and distracted by many things. But, the, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken from her. And the important part of that verse is one thing is necessary. Not a bunch of things. Are you with me? This is kind of how I'm going to close. I know I'm going to close early here probably. That's okay. But I want to tell you something. It's only one thing that's necessary. And the, ne the necessary thing is to rest in Christ. So you need to encounter God. You need to know him before you serve him. You need to expect his grace. You need to remember that his grace is the first thing that was deposited in you, and that's what God sees. And then the one thing needed is resting in him. Only one thing. Not a bunch of things. Just resting in God's grace. So just follow me with this for just a minute. I've already talked to you about uh, Satan's first lie and the religious cycle. But resting in God's grace, knowing him, is far more important than what you do for him. I'll say that again because it's true. At the end of our lives, we're not going to look back and remember all the things we did for him as much as we're going to remember how much we knew him. That's what he's looking for, right? When you, when you come before God, 
Now, this may be for you if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus. Can I just tell you, when you stand before God, he ain't going to ask you what you do for me. Did you ever go to the front? Did you ever say a prayer? Did you? He's not gonna, that's always going to ask you. He's going to ask you, he's going to ask you, do you know me? And he's going to say do, whether he knows you. And that's what's going to be important. Does he know you? Now, he'll never know you until you make that step and you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me. I'm a sinner. You know, my Bible says still in the book of Romans chapter 10 that all you have to do to believe in God is believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he was and that he raised, God raised him from the dead. Confess with your mouth that he is Lord and you're saved. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't come to an altar if God's calling you to do that. And why don't you stand with me this morning? Let's close like this. If everybody just bow your heads for just a second all across this room. I'm just going to wait on the Lord just a minute. But don't get impatient. We're we're early. We're way early. But I want to give time for this because it's important. If you're here this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around but me, just put your hand up, take it right back down. I'm looking all across this room. You don't know Jesus, but you want to. You've never given your heart to the Lord before, and you want to do that this morning. Just put your hand up, take it right back down. I'm looking all across this room. Okay. Okay, so that means, in my mind, we're believers here, the majority of us, except for those that should have raised their hand and were afraid. That's okay. We love you. Glad you're here. But this morning, my question then to you is this. How many of you, if you're honest, would say, I've been living my Christian life trying to get a lot of stuff accomplished and I've not spent enough time resting in God. Just put your hand up. Take it right back down. Yep, keep it up. Actually, keep it up just a minute. Put your hand up. All right, man, praise God all across this room. Man, can I just tell you, God has freedom for you. You can put your hand back down if you want to. God has freedom for you. I just want to pray over you, if that's okay. A little different this morning. But I want you to pray with me this prayer. And you can pray it out loud. You can just pray it in your heart. But just let's just pray this prayer together. Lord, I confess I need to rest in you more. And I need to spend more time with you getting to know you and stop worrying about all the things that are on my plate to get done. So, Lord, this morning I purpose in my heart to get to know you more. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I pray over everyone who raised their hand here this morning. Father, you know exactly where they are and you know exactly where they are with you. And, Lord, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would just empower them to rest in your grace. Help them to rest in your grace. When we leave this place, God, and, and, and the next time that we feel like our plate's looking really full, just remind us, God, we need to take a moment, get away with you, and rest, and just know you more, and then the doing becomes a whole lot easier. Lord, would you help us as a church to learn to rest in your grace because your grace is completed it's already done the work of the cross is a finished work there's nothing more we can do that would add to it and so lord help us just to learn to just rest in your grace to let you love on us and let your love empower us to then go out and change the world 
because we're teaching the world about your grace and how to learn to rest in you. And that, that's where real freedom comes from. Lord, we pray it in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, I also pray as we go, I just pray right from your word, God, from the book of Jude. Now unto him who's able to keep you from falling and to keep you faultless before the only wise God, our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be both power and glory, dominion and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let him keep you as you go. Amen. God bless you guys.